Welcome to another episode of the Leaf Cast. Takes by Leaf for Leaf. Yeah, I appreciate you tuning in. You could be doing anything with your time right now, but you choose to rock with me, and I appreciate it. Another day in the pandemic. Um, I was looking forward to this week. This is my vacation week. I am uh, vacationing in my basement, but it is my vacation week. So in my mind, I looked at this week and I was like, you know, I'm just going to spend this time kicking it, just trying to relax a little bit, do some reading and just chill for a minute and try to relax. Because I think one of the things that has been a necessary evil of trying to stay alert and understanding what's going on in the world around us is that it's become very stressful. You know, like the things that you see in television, the things that you read, you know, in the paper, on the internet, et cetera, these things are playing out in real time and they're having implications on your lives. You know, I think one of the things... that folks really won't begin to appreciate, especially black folk, is the amount of stress we have been under during the pandemic. Whether you think about just in terms of how much the disease has impacted black folk and people of color, whether you think about the police brutality, um, the overt racism that has been displayed. You know, it's really fucking stressful. It's hard to have a positive day when you think about the broader context that black people are literally getting killed in the streets. Right? So, you know, every day you're supposed to wake up and, you know, if you're working, you know, you're supposed to go to work or if you're just interacting with your family, you'd be a good, you know, father, husband, uh, wife, spouse, cousin, brother, whatever, and just interact with folk. It's hard to do any of those things under the backdrop of everything that is happening to Black folk. And not just everything that is happening to Black folk, it's everything that will happen to Black folk. Because the ramifications of this election are... I would say this is probably the most significant election since Obama's first term or when Obama ran to get his first term because that's how shitty things were then. The urgency of trying to get any motherfucker into the White House that could at the very least be competent to deal with the financial meltdown was imperative. But here you have combined with the financial meltdown, because it is a meltdown. Let's be correct. Let's let's be level set on that. We are, you know, in the middle of historic unemployment in this country. Not only that, there's a pandemic. Not only that, you have a president in charge who literally seems to take glee in promoting racist tropes, ideas, concepts, theories, conspiracies. So all that's in play 
But yet, you know, you still want to, to at least find something to smile about, something that can continue to motivate you as you face literally the probably the shittiest time that America has faced. I would argue, you know, you probably, you know, I don't know. It's hard to think about a time. You want to say, oh, well, you know, the Great Depression. Yeah, the Great Depression was pretty bad. But it's not as though you had a guy in office who was actively working not only to carry on the depression, but also to, you know, basically allow a whole bunch of motherfuckers to die. And so all the policies that you're talking about, so anyways, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. And, and I wish we could kick off the show on a happier note, but I think the challenge is just, or what I'm trying to illustrate is the challenge of trying to stay positive, trying to focus, focus on things that are positive in the in the face of just historic negativity, historic. And the question really is, again, how does that impact your psyche? And I don't think we'll really know the answers to that until we look back several years from now. So I say all that, you know, and again, I'm like trying to look forward to the weekend and, you know, look forward to spending a week out of work and just chilling out. And then, you know, there's Jacob Blake. So you can, you know, again, there, the videos are out, you know, I don't recommend watching them. It's almost like snuff pornography, uh, to seeing black men, uh, literally it, it's, it's basically, if you, you know, need to watch it, you know, I can just describe it to you if you don't, you know, so you don't have to check it out, but it's literally just a modern day attempted lynch. Uh, the video starts with Jacob Blake, rounds the front of a silver SUV on Sunday with two Wisconsin police officers following close behind him, their guns drawn. When Blake opens the door and steps inside, the officers suddenly fire towards his back at least seven times. They shot this brother at least seven times in the back. Broad daylight in front of his family, in front of his kids. So, you know, I don't know much about policing, but I would argue shooting a man in his back probably is unnecessary force. Probably. Like I'm not sure what took place, but these dudes are now again, this isn't this is broad daylight with people watching them just to literally feel comfortable enough in their skin to try to murder another human being. That's what's taking place. And I think the thing, if you look at just this Wisconsin tape, or if you think about George Floyd, or any of these murders, or attempted murders in this case, his brother's hanging on, you know, to to, to his life right now in the hospital. Fortunately, I don't know how he's able to survive seven shots, but he is hanging on. You know, the thing that really blows my mind when you think about all these is just the audacity to try to murder someone when you know that you're being recorded, right? Because that just shows you a level of, I don't give a fuck. You know, typically when you watch, you know, crimes as they play out, you know, on television shows and movies, at least, or in books, at least the, you know, the, 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 the criminal tries to hide their activity. But these things, like, hey, you know, you got me on tape, but so what? You know, I'm still going to try to kill this dude. I'm still going to keep my neck on this motherfucker's neck. Excuse me, my knee on this motherfucker's neck. I'm still going to shoot this guy in the back. Not once, not twice, but at least seven times. So, 
you know, I start the show with that because it's just, it is heartbreaking. But the reality is, like everything else, America has a short attention span. So, hey, for like a month, you know, people were really on, hey, you know, gee, I guess it is wrong for us to continue to fuck with black people. Hey, I guess racism is real. But then it's like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. You know, do you guys remember at one point in time, Tim Scott was supposed to be running out with this policing bill in the Senate? Where the fuck is that? Do you remember at one point in time, there was a yet another vote on the anti-lynching bill and that can't get through Congress? Like, do you recall that? It seems so crazy because there's so many things that are happening at the same time, it's hard for people to track everything. But I would argue, as the RNC kicks off tonight, it is hard to be the law and order president when black men are being assassinated in the streets. So when you think about law and order, it really relates to who is giving the order in the law. Like who is on the other side of the law and order? Who is the recipient of the law and order? So, it's amazing, and I don't want to spend the whole show ranting about white people, you know. I do that enough in my house. My kids look at me like I'm crazy. And again, they're kids. But, you know, like, you know, like hey, dad's mad again about the white people? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess dad is. That little, little pissed off, little, little upset. So, again... All these things are happening. They're all happening at the same time. It's hard for us to keep track about all of these issues. But one of the things I want to go back to, and we spoke about this in an earlier podcast, and I want to segue into this topic now and reference the great Negro poet, Chris Brown, and in the immortal words of Chris Brown, these hoes ain't loyal. So with that backdrop, you know, I've been watching NBA basketball, you know, as, since, I, since I can remember. Growing up watching basketball in my house, growing up watching basketball with my dad, growing up talking about basketball with my friends. So some of you who are not basketball fans may or may not remember uh, NBA players playing down the NBA, Paul George. Um, Paul George used to play on the Indiana Pacers, right? Played on the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers were not a very good team but they were a team, didn't have one superstar, but they were kind of a team group of guys, played hard defense, went into the playoffs. Played, I believe, two series in two separate years against LeBron James and LeBron James Miami Heat. 
I believe they almost beat the Heat in one series and then lost, you know, another series. But they played the Heat tough. People liked uh, the Indiana Pacers because in many ways it allowed white people to, you know, kind of rally against LeBron James. Here is a squad of just hardworking guys. They didn't need to form a super team. And they're almost as good as the Miami Heat. And Paul George was the star of that team at that point in time because he played well against LeBron in those two series. He earned the moniker Playoff P. So now since then, uh, he has been moved off of two different teams. He previously was in Indiana. He was traded to Oklahoma City then traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. Now he's playing with Kawhi Leonard. He's playing on the Los Angeles Clippers. The coach of the Los Angeles Clipper, Clippers is Doc Rivers. So more on that. But let's just, just tee up that those factual statements. Playoff P is now playing on the Los Angeles Clippers with the head coach of Doc Rivers. So during the last game, Maverick guard Seth Curry drove to the hoop early in the fourth quarter of Dallas's wild 135-133 overtime win over the Clippers. He drew a foul from playoff P, Paul George, and he hit a layup. He then turned to playoff P and called him, quote-unquote, bitch ass, before walking to the line and hitting the bonus free throw. All right, now, why are we talking about Seth Curry calling playoff P a bitch ass. Let's give you a little context. It's important to note that Seth Curry is married to Callie Rivers. Callie Rivers is the daughter of Doc Rivers. Callie Rivers also dated playoff P. So, a little weird, a little weird, a little awkward. First of all, I don't know how you coach a dude who previously used to uh, date your sister, excuse me, your daughter. But Doc Rivers has gotten past that. He's not worried about that. He's coaching the team. Apparently, Seth Curry ain't got past shit. So he has some words for playoff P. But you ask yourself, wouldn't it just be good enough, Seth Curry, just to know that you are now married to Callie Rivers? And Paul George, playoff P is not? Not so fast. So this goes back to the earlier quotation from the great Negro poet, Chris Brown. Paul George, the reason why Paul George is not with Callie Rivers is because Paul George impregnated a stripper. He impregnated Danielle Rajic. She was born in 1990, born in Queens, New York. Rajic is a, she's from Serbia. Um, she graduated from the University of Florida. While studying, she used to work as a dancer in a strip club to support herself during that time. So, Paul George is dating Callie Rivers. He meets up with this stripper. And for whatever the reason, he decides to have unprotected sex 
with said stripper. That's a that's a that's a that's I don't understand it. That's just a me thing. I don't understand it, but apparently playoff P does. Playoff P gets her pregnant. Playoff P then, realizing that he done fucked up and has impregnated a stripper, offers her a million dollars to get rid of the baby. The stripper, while she may be a hoe, she is not a dumb hoe. See, I think sometimes people conflate those two terms. There's a lot of smart whores out here. They're all not dumb. So she's like, fuck a million. I want all of the money. So she gave birth to their first child, the million dollar baby. Paul George got one kid. Paul George doubled down and got said stripper pregnant at least one more time. So in my mind, Paul George is a lame. But, and I'll tell you how bad, how much of a lame Paul George is, for Seth Curry to call him a bitch ass, and for Paul George basically to do nothing, I think that just speaks to his lameness right there. And every day or every night or whenever he comes home from the bubble, he gets to come home and snuggle a stripper whore. One that and he could all oh, not only is he snuggling a stripper, but he's snuggling a stripper that he literally acknowledged it was so bad he would pay one million dollars to get fucking out of the relationship, and literally he ended up having at least another child with said stripper. Playoff P. So It's an amazing story. It's a funny story. But playoff P and his inability to understand, hey, if you're going to fuck a stripper, you probably want to make sure that you're taking some precautions. But moreover than that, not understanding that these hoes ain't loyal. Now let's fast forward to another story that is percolated in the media. And that is the story of Giancarlo Grando, who says he had a long sexual relationship with the Farwells. That began when he was 20. He now says he believes the Farwells preyed on him. What? What are you talking about? So that lead in and of itself is very interesting about the lifestyle of Giancarlo Granda. Giancarlo Granda says when he was 20, he met Jerry and Becky Falwell while working as a pool attendant at the Fountain Blue Miami Beach Hotel in 2012. Starting that month and continuing to 2018, Granda told Reuters that the relationship involved him having sex with Becky Blackwell while Jerry Falwell looked on. That's mind-blowing. It's not just mind-blowing that Becky Falwell wanted to fuck another man. It is mind-blowing that Jerry Falwell sat in the corner of the room 
and watch this nigga go to work on his wife. Now, I want to put a pin in this conversation and I want to share with you just some interesting things that I have seen and encountered. Many, many years ago, I was at a bar and let me just go back and say, I don't rec- I was with some people from law school. I don't know. I don't recall why we were at this bar, but I remember we were at the bar. And one of the reasons why I remember that we were at this bar, because there was a lot of white people there. And anybody that knows me knows, hey, when I think about socializing, you know, in the evenings, it's definitely not around a whole bunch of white motherfuckers. No offense to white people. But so I'm at this bar and I recall a white dude, short white dude comes up to me and and I'm not really one to have a lot of conversation with folk, but I recall this white dude approaches me at the bar and I don't know what he was talking about, but I remember him saying, because you know, it's loud music and you're just kind of chilling and he's talking and I can have hear what he's saying. And he's like, do you like my wife? And the next thing I know, he pulls a chubby, curly-haired white woman next to him, who I assume was his wife. And he's basically, the way that I looked at it, I assumed that he was basically suggesting that I fuck his wife. I did not delve further into the conversation because I'm not here for that type of shit. There's many things that I'm here for fucking your wife while you watch is not one of them. Number one, fucking chubby white, fucking white women in general, I was never there for. You know, from the age of whatever the age was that I first became sexually active, I never thought to myself, hey, you know what would be cool? Fucking a chubby white woman or fucking any white woman, not my thing. Non-judgmental on those who do but that was not my thing. And again, fucking your wife while you watch, doubly not my thing. But I tell which I share that story because this shit is real. Like as much as it is funny, it is definitely funny. And we have all the jokes for this, but it is a real thing that white dudes like to watch other motherfuckers fuck their wives, and a lot of times, it's black dudes. I had a friend, well, I have a friend, and I, and I love this brother. We haven't, we haven't, you know, stayed in contact as much as I'd like, and he's going through some health difficulties now, so I wish him the best. But I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while just to talk about his lifestyle. And Basically, long and short, like, again, we're going to have a whole podcast dedicated to Homeboy. But I recall at one point he was telling me, and this is so funny, like, people that are into this lifestyle, they call it the lifestyle. And he was like, I'm into this lifestyle. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he was like, white dudes will pay him, or basically, like, there's a website, all right? I don't know where it is, but there's a website where if you want some studs, quote unquote, to come over and quote unquote, bang out your wife, 
that can happen. Right? You just basically say, like, how many dudes you want, how many black dudes, or whatever it may be, and they just come over, and they fuck your wife, and you watch. And he told me he was into that shit. That he would go around, sometimes him, sometimes with other guys, and they'd show up, and they just fuck white white women's wives, or white dudes' wives. And my whole thing with that, and I remember him telling me stories, I'm like, yo, man, how confident are you, like, you're not going to get killed? You know, so, like, maybe just in the middle of the humiliation, you know, dude just gets up and says, God damn it, I had enough. You know, and just shoots you or attacks you. Like, I don't want to be fighting nobody while I'm naked. Um, I don't want to be in another room with other naked dudes. So all of these things are problems for me, but apparently my man was very into it. And he was into some crazy shit. So I remember one year, many, many years ago, he texted me, texted me a picture and it's like, you know, back in the day, especially with phones, like, you know, you would get a picture, but then it would take a second to download for the picture to show up on your phone, right? So I remember it was like Christmas, and he texted me this thing, and I had, you know, you know it's Christmas, so you're just doing other shit or whatever. So I remember him sending the message, but I hadn't fully downloaded the message. So I download the picture that he sends me, and sure enough, there's a white woman tied up, butt naked, around a Christmas tree. And it's something along the lines of, you know, happy Christmas or something like this. This is what I got under the Christmas tree. And he just like, I automatically delete this shit. Because as much as there is like, you know, again, there's a market for, you know, white dudes to watch black dudes fuck their wives. There's also a market for white men just to kill black people, as we have seen play out throughout the pandemic. So, so you know, I don't want to give white people any more reasons to kill me than to have on my phone, you know, pictures of white bitches tied up around trees. So, anyway, so that was my boy. He was definitely into that lifestyle. So, let's now go back to the story of Giancarlo. And I tell you all this, so basically... Well, I don't know that this is true. This is all alleged. This is coming from Giancarlo. So we don't know whether it's true or not. But I am saying it's not that hard to believe that Giancarlo was having relations with Jerry Fowler's wife, Jerry Falwell's wife, while Jerry Falwell watched. So Giancarlo show Reuters emails, text messages, and other evidence that he demonstrates that the sexual nature of the relationship with the couple, that he had the sexual relationship. Becky and I developed an intimate relationship and Jerry enjoyed watching from the corner of the room. Well, you know, see, this is when I say, Giancarlo, you know, I really want to give credence to your story, but how do you know that Jerry was enjoying it? He can say he was watching it, but how was he enjoying it? Are you saying that Giancarlo, Giancarlo, are you saying that Jerry Falwell Jr. was rooting from the side? Like, that's the only way you would think that he would know. You know, I don't know about, you know, Giancarlo, but I'm thinking for him to be able to perform sexually, it takes a certain amount of focus. So he just couldn't be, you know, fucking and looking around the room, you know, making sure that Jerry's giving him the, you know, the all right signs. I'm assuming Jerry, Jerry, you know, just like any, you know, uh, pro or professional coach is out here coaching up from the sidelines. Assuming he's giving tips, you know, offering incentives, cheering 
Giancarlo on. I don't know, but that's what I would assume just based off of the quote-unquote that Jerry enjoyed watching from the corner of the room, kind of almost like Jerry was watching like a football game or some shit. Um, his friendship with the Fowell of Paul Wells eventually soured. <laughs> Giancarlo told Reuters, gee, I, I, yeah, I thought after a while that may just kind of fall apart. He said it, it, it soured in part because he wanted to dissolve his ties with the couple and fell into a business b- dispute with them. So, okay, that's Giancarlo's interpretation of the facts. Um, just reading some other articles here. Giancarlo first emerged as a figure in the Falwell circle about two years ago. Uh, BuzzFeed reported the couple had befriended Giancarlo and had gone into business with him buying a Miami Beach hostel or youth hostel in 2013. At the time of the article, a representative of the Falwell family said Giancarlo was offered a share in the hotel uh, because Giancarlo lived in Miami and would act as a manager of the youth hostel. See, so... Here's the important thing, and we pointed it out on other podcasts. Hoes aren't loyal. Right? They're not. And what I mean by that is, if you want to continue to have a happy hoe, and not have a hoe that's going to try to fuck up your life, it is dependent upon making said hoe happy. In this instance, they decided to break this motherfucker off with ownership of a Miami youth hostel. I don't know what the fuck a youth hostel is, but it sounds like Giancarlo was working this hostel and was pimping out other dudes to fuck his wife. I don't know that to be true, but that sounds like what's going on here. Giancarlo showed Reuters screenshots from what Giancarlo said was a FaceTime conversation he had with the Falwells in 2019. During that call, Giancarlo said Becky was naked as the two discussed their relationship while Jerry peeked from behind a door. Reuters was able to verify, verify Giancarlo's description of the screenshots. So what that really means, just in terms of just to interpret this, then Giancarlo, because Giancarlo is a hoe, decided at some point in time, shit was not going to go well, and he needed some evidence. So therefore, he took screenshots of Jerry Falwell's naked wife, screenshots of Jerry Falwell Jr. peeking at his naked wife, talking to Giancarlo about fucking in the screenshot. Let's get Jerry Falwell's reaction. Jerry Falwell Jr. confirmed late Sunday that his wife, Becky Falwell, had an affair with a young man they befriended and went to business with in Florida eight years ago. So I get it. Throw your wife under the bus. My wife was fucking... I had nothing to do with it. In a long statement, Falwell said that he and his wife forgave each other he suggested he also had important smaller things. He had also done important smaller things that he needed to atone for. 
quoting a Bible verse about visual adultery and had decided to come forward because his wife's former lover had been extorting them for a huge amount of money to stay quiet. I'm just tired of it, said Falwell. Okay. Let's be fair to Jerry Falwell. I don't think anybody would enjoy being extorted. But, and this is a huge but, both literal and figuratively, if a dude is fucking your wife, if you have decided to watch said fucking, I think, and you're a public figure, I think you've got to pay the money. Either you pay the money or you kill Giancarlo. I think those are the only options that you have. Like at the time, no, again, unless in, in a scenario, like, I, I, first of all, this is just the tip of the iceberg, number one. Because this presupposes that the only dude that Jerry Falwell let his wife fuck was Giancarlo. And I just don't believe that. That does not seem like a believable thing. What I believe is believable or what lends itself more credibility is that Jerry Falwell likes to watch dudes fuck his wife. I believe Roger Stone has a similar type of uh, kind of fixation. And it's not just Roger Stone. It's not just Jerry Falwell. It's not the guy that I ran into in the bar. It's not the multiple women and white dudes that my man, one of my boys, has fucked. It's bigger than that. There's a genre of porn called cuckold porn. You can Google it. You know, in the words of the Republican uh, congressional candidate, I was forced to watch it. Inadvertently turned it on. I was forced to watch it. So I've inadvertently turned on cuckold porn for research for this podcast. And I can tell you that it's a real thing. Weird. But it's a weird thing. How real is it? How weird is it? Well, let me tell you. In July 2017, director James Camp allegedly twice asked porn star Mo the Monster if he would consent to being called nigger by his white co-star according to a lawsuit filed by Mo, The director told Mo that fans enjoy hearing that word in the scene and his white co-star was fine saying. Each time, Mo the monster refused because God damn it, Mo's got integrity. Yet in the video, eventually uploaded to the porn site Dogfart, you can hear his female co-star basically calling him the nigger several times. In May, Mo sued uh, Dog Fart and the director, 
saying, quote, he's sued, sued them for fraud, negligence, negligence, and racial harassment. Says, I've shot over 50 scenes for this company. That's a lot of goddamn scenes. Um, for a long time, I was one of their top guys, pun intended. And I've always publicly talked talking about racism. So he's like the porn, the, the racially active porn star. Uh, for them to ask me was an insult. Then to do it against my will, it hurts. It feels like it was a setup. So here's a man who literally made his career is basically based off of fucking women. And he draws the line at being called a nigger. And this is somehow, you know, basically just violated him so much that he wants to sue. But the whole point of the story is that this is a real genre, a genre that makes a lot of fucking money. So if you do a search about popular genres of pornography, this is one of the top genres of pornography where white dudes watch other people fucking their wives or significant others. It's a real thing. Weird, but true. And the real question is, how many other dudes are going to come out of the closet, <laughs> pun intended, and acknowledge, I too have fucked Jerry Falwell's wife while Jerry shouted encouragement in the background. <sighs> Things to watch more on development of this story. It's interesting that, you know, we've got the Republican convention coming and we've got a law and order president. We've got a law and order president but yet black people are getting murdered. Where's the law? Where's the fucking order? So I'm gonna read to you this very briefly. The New York Attorney General is investigating President Trump's private business for allegedly misleading lenders by inflating the value of its assets, the Attorney General's office said Monday in a legal filing. The Attorney General's office said it began investigation after Trump's former lawyer, the fixer Michael Cohen, told Congress in 2019 that Trump had used his statements to inflate his net worth to lenders. See, these are crimes. These are legitimate crimes, right? And this is the thing I find to be funny. So we're cool arresting motherfuckers for tearing down statutes, right? We can create crimes for that bullshit. But here is a motherfucker who literally has based his entire career off of fabrication and fraud. So this is not Trump's first fight with New York State Attorney General. A previous Attorney General uh, sued Trump for defrauding students at his Trump University. Trump had to sell $25 million in 2016. Later, the Attorney General Office sued Trump for misusing donations in his nonprofit, the Donald Trump a foundation to buy art for his clubs, pay up legal obligations for his businesses, and to help his own political campaign. That suit ended in November with the state judge ordering Trump to pay $2 million in damages. So now he's getting sued again. So let me just close to you with this. And as much as we think about hoes not being loyal as it relates to Jerry Falwell, I think it's also important 
that we understand that Ho's not being loyal as it relates to the Republican Party. Donald Trump says a lot of fucking shit, but how much of it has he actually done? I'm talking about if you're a Republican, right? How much has he actually done? Said he was going to solve police brutality. Came out with some bullshit executive order. Niggas are still getting shot. Said he was going to solve for evictions. People are still getting evicted. Said he was going to somehow solve the payroll tax conundrum, which I didn't know it was a conundrum. That shit ain't working. And all the time, this dude has been acting in only what can be considered in his own best interest. Whether that is through how he runs his business, his charitable contributions, all of it. All of it is about him. There is no loyalty to Republicans. There is no loyalty to America. There is only loyalty to himself. So the one thing that we can count on as we get closer and closer to November is in the words of Chris Brown, these hoes ain't loyal. Yo, appreciate you tuning in. As always, I want you to stay safe. I want you to stay situated. Stay calm. Stay positive. Peace.